Yeah, I don't have that many thoughts. I, I, it's kind of like, like, you know, I don't have a type, you know? It's, mm. When you meet the right person and you want to stab them on a rooftop in the rain, <laughs> you know, you just feel it. Wait, guys, I thought we were talking about our tribals here. <laughs> well, Hold on. <laughs> what else are we talking about? Yeah. <laughs> Is that not how this works? <laughs> mm. <laughs> yeah. Some of the rogues gallery is furiously taking notes. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Hello, everybody. Welcome to another episode of the Overly Sarcastic Podcast. I am Blue, and today I am joined in person by Red. Hello! My microphone quality is slightly different than usual today. <laughs> yeah, so uh, a long story short, uh, Sign and I are getting married later this year. It's uh, it's appropriate that we get some of the festivities rolling early, so we had a bit of a wedding shower um, uh, within the past week. Uh, so uh, Indigo and Cyan and Red and a whole bunch of other friends, a few greens uh, mixed in there, uh, we're all in the same place, uh, and we're able to have fun, hang out. And vaccinated, all vaccinated, masked, and taking regular COVID tests. Be safe. Don't be stupid. Critically so, yes. yes. <laughs> uh, and, and we had a, a grand old time. We uh, we got a nice dinner together, and we were going to go to a very fun board game cafe, except the problem was uh, there was a hurricane you in the not-too-distant past. Yeah, th- not that hurricane, the other hurricane. Henri. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Uh, so because of uh, Hurricane Henri, uh, we uh, got pretty thoroughly rained out. So we were weighing our options and thinking, do we want to go trudging through... Uh, a bunch of pouring rain to go uh, damply sit in a board game cafe or do we want to go back to the hotel that we're all staying at and then figure it out from there. So we went back, got a bunch of towels, people who were staying in the hotel like changed into not damp clothes and we played Among Us for three hours. It was the most (laughs) on-brand thing that posse has done since high school. So much fun. Oh my god, it was great. It was extremely fun. We've, um... uh, We've been guilty of similar things in the past. Uh, famously, uh, in, in freshman year at the homecoming dance, uh, Red and I and a handful of our friends decided that uh, dancing is stupid, so we played ninja instead. Well, let's be real. That was not the only dance we did that at. We did that several times. That is the one where we got made fun of the most for it, though. Ah, psh- <laughs> uh, but yeah, so we played Amogus for for a nice, uh, a nice fun two hours in a tiny hotel room, and that was... Uh, that was an absolute joy. It was uh, a tiny, well-ventilated hotel room where many of us were masked. With and an all air purifier, no less. With an air purifier, with an air purifier Seriously, no less. Seriously, yeah. we're being as careful as possible, and it rules. My favorite part was the part where uh, I was an imposter along with one of Cyan's bridesmaids, yes. and uh, the the first time I was able to get everyone, and the second time, Red, you at the first meeting, you said, "Now, guys, I know that I have like no evidence for this, but when Blue's the imposter." He has this look. He's got this vibe. He's just got this vibe. And the best part is, like, while I was making that, like, you, like, dead-eyed, like, eye contact, murderous expression, and I was like, oh, yeah, I'm on to something here. <laughs> Lo and behold, I don't think we won that round, but I think I got you. You got me out, so you're like, yeah, I, th- I, I don't know how, but I think Blue's it, and everyone's like, good enough for yeah. me, so I got voted out. And Lo and I behold, was I was, right. in fact, an imposter. It's the vibes, man. Yeah. You gotta feel the vibes in the room. <laughs> so we, we had a wonderful time, and that was off of uh, that Friday. My video on Britain came out, mm. so a very, uh, very fraught <laughs> weekend with a lot of things going on. Lots going on, yeah. Uh, yeah. But, but that was fun. It was good to get that one just nice and wrapped and completely done because ever since I started with the Scotland video like two years ago at this point, I was like, I have, I have the whole expanse in front of me. I did Ireland, I did England, I did Wales, and then <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> I buckled down, I did a whole bunch of research, 
I, I experienced true pain, yeah. and then I finished the Britain video. Let's talk about Britannia. Uh, yeah. <laughs> yeah, that that was a fun one. I think it went over well. I, I know you were I, you were kind of worried about it, but like most people were like, "Yeah, get him." I am very pleased with how well it turned out, and I think the fact that you know, like even audience distribution of, I think you were were, were needlessly cruel to the British Empire, and you're you're forgetting the fact that they did this or something, and then a bunch of people are like, "Blue, you could have gone way harder on them." I'm like, both of you are correct. Yes, yes. <laughs> the fact that I'm in the middle is where I'm striving to be. But yeah, no, it was uh, I'm. I'm very pleased with how the video turned out and it's another one of those things where some of the comments are like wow this should have been way messier than it ended up being this is actually like it it, it makes sense mm -hmm. weirdly shit <laughs> making sense is really that that's really the best thing you can get for this kind of top-down perspective where it's like yeah there's lots of little things you can go into in way more depth and there's tons of channels that do that making the whole thing make sense on the large scale is what these videos that's, are really good that's for. That's the trick. And the one thing that when I sent you the script, your comment was, now I'm so, like, just fundamentally mad because it's Britain, but, like, <laughs> the world building is fascinating That's here. what annoys me! Like, <laughs> history has some bomb-ass world building, but it's usually in the worst places. Yeah. And it's like, uh, you can't, like, give them too many compliments because then, then they'll never let you live it down. It's mm -hmm. like, thank God Italy beat England in the Euro Cup, otherwise they would have never shut up about it. <laughs> I mean, they've never shut up about being, you know, the empire where the sun never sets, and that's barely true these days. Because God doesn't trust an Englishman in the dark. Whoa! <laughs> Not my joke. <laughs> Before you get sassy, lots of English heritage in this room. Just gotta understand, also lots of Scottish heritage in yeah. this room. <laughs> Granted, uh, another undercurrent that I saw was like, Scots are not guilt-free in this regard. No because they were the ones who were getting sat on in the early centuries, and then it became convenient for them to comply. <laughs> and then Scotland became just as much of a player as, as the English people were by... Uh... The Welsh, though. I believe the Welsh are largely blameless in this exchange. Depends on, on how much blame you ascribe to industrialization, Ooh, but like... that's a good point. Oh, like, you know what? This is just getting messy. <laughs> no, exactly. It, it is very tough. Like, Ireland pretty universally got shit on, but yeah. you do see instances where there's a book called The Green and the Grey, which talks about Irish immigrants to America Ooh. who were basically used by the Confederacy oh. to push down against, like, you know, the slave class of people and, like, like free black people because it was like, right. oh, you guys don't have rights because you're the not okay kind of white people, mm. but... If you help us oppress people who are lower down on the ladder than you, yeah. we'll let you have fun. It's the age-old <laughs> trick of, like, if if the lower classes were to form some kind of, I don't know, unified group and uh, <laughs> seize certain means of manufacture, then perhaps that could be bad. So if we teach them that the enemy is each other rather than us, they won't do that. Yeah. Yeah. So, I mean, it, it was a very interesting video, and I'm very pleased with, with how it came out. One of the, Again, just, like, different comment trains that I saw was, like, where is this board game? Where is this British <laughs> yeah. Empire trading with the colonies board game? Yeah. I, you can't buy it. It only exists in museums nowadays. But I, when I was going through, like, the very last parts of that video, I found... The British Empire, the board game from, like, 1921, like, Damn. peak of the... Yeah, and I'm like, oh my god, the fact that this exists is insane. And, like, it makes total sense. Like, you would make it in such a way that it's easily, like, you know, understandable for kids. Like, introduce people to the concept of uh, railways of empire and transnational... Railways yeah. empire, colonization. Uh, yeah, <laughs> but it's... There's just so much cool stuff bound up in there from a, like world building and just like anthropological perspective yeah um 
It's it's very interesting, but it's obviously hard because even though I don't think I was being very spicy in the video itself, everybody has some variety of yeah. <laughs> uh, of uh, of reason to to have an opinion. That everyone's got some stock. You either. You know, statistically, you either have some British ancestry or you were on the receiving end. So everybody's got a got both, a both is a big one. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's yeah. that's a very intricate space. I, in, in the original draft, I talked more about like the whole thing of like, oh yes, the British Museum is a museum for the world, but like people from Nigeria who want to go see like the Benin bronzes have to travel away from the continent in which they live to go to an entirely different country to see stuff that is theirs. Yeah. And I ended up cutting that because I, I needed to, to have a more broader perspective on the thing. When, yeah, to be uh, fair, yeah. that's true of almost every country in the world that it, has something yeah. in the British Museum. Yeah, exactly. Wasn't there a thing, we, we don't necessarily need to put this in, but there wasn't there a thing about how the British Museum ha was having like rain leak problems and people were like gosh if you can't take care of what's in your stuff maybe <laughs> no. you should i don't know send them back to the people who actually know how to take care of them i don't know it could be fun but yeah yeah there were some news stories about that i think yeah. but uh, there's also i mean me being you know half greek i have like parthenon marvel stock but like that's <laughs> that's pretty low down on the ladder like a lot of people got it a lot worse but yeah. it's yeah it's it's such a tough subject because everybody has their perspective on it, and it's such a totalizing thing that you can't talk about the history of Britain without going into an entire tangent on just world history for these five centuries, because mm -hmm. there's just so much stuff that that Britain was a driving force behind. So it's it was a very cool video. I'm glad it exists, but oh my god, I'm so happy to be done. Yeah. <laughs> there's just so much like, oh, I'm free now. And like for this year between like South Africa and Poland and Britain, oh, yeah. nothing scares me anymore. <laughs> nothing can frighten me. Very spice. So, yeah. yeah. The slow, painful process of decolonizing your brain has begun. Yeah. Ah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. But, uh, no, it's, uh, it's good. I've, I, I'm not entirely done with Britain. I've got another thing uh, next week, um, we'll, which we'll see. But... Uh, Red, you had a, a, a much simpler, uh, simpler. <laughs> what's less emotionally loaded topic uh, uh, in the past uh, week? Simpler and yet somehow similar in certain ways. Uh, Curiously so. Curiously I wonder so. where they got it from. Yeah, yes, who could do this? But uh, yeah, so uh, my video this week was about the founding myth of Athens, uh, which was a fun one. Just a weird one. It's it's another one of those cases where the myth itself is fairly simple. The context around it is more interesting. Yeah. Uh, especially by which, like, when it was codified, when it was written, you know, when it started to actually get some traction, where it was based on, etc., etc. Um, yeah, you know, as mentioned in the video, the, the basic myth itself is quite simple. It's, okay, Athena and Poseidon were arguing over who got this city. Athena won. Poseidon was a little pissy, put some rivers in the area. You know how it is. Um, and then, basically, the rest of the video was like, okay, so here's the context. Here's the historical, dare I say, Here's context. the snake people. Yeah, here's the snake people <laughs> yeah. also. That, oh, boy. I... I'm really curious to see where that goes, and at the same time, I, I'm worried that there's not going to be any real information, and it's just going to go into the conspiracy zone. Yeah. <laughs> it's like, how am I supposed to look up pre-Greek snake gods without finding, like, whatever thing Alan Moore worships or whatever <laughs> that is? Oh, God. Um... Yeah. One of the funny things about that video is that I was able to pull a lot of very niche 
Athens lore out of my back pocket from a combination of classes that I took in college and just having been to Athens so much over the course mm. of like my like childhood going to visit grandparents at, right outside of the city. So it was like you were talking about how it's like, yeah, you know, this ancient legendary hero king was a talk and I was like, yeah, I don't remember what the thing is, but I remember there specifically be a thing that all of Athens is actually a talk <laughs> and you're like, what? And what? then of course you yeah. went and found where it actually comes from. Yeah. And I was like, yeah, and there's this thing with the rivers and Poseidon <laughs> and like flooding the plane i'm like oh yeah i don't i don't remember where the thing is but like athens used to be at the crux of three major <laughs> rivers and one of them dried up and two of them got like paved over or something yeah. and then you went and found what the thing actually <laughs> is but I, I had all of this like half formed athens lore in the back of my brain that i just apparently been sitting on for decades prompting you like an npc in a video game yeah, tell exactly. me more about athens kings <laughs> yeah like you'd mention this thing and then like a light bulb would go off and so i was like wait i know something about this <laughs> Maybe if you go to the mountain to the west, you'll find <laughs> God. Skyrim, yeah. like, dumb yeah. sound effect when you get the quest. A yeah. little mini thing pops up on my map, like, ah, dang it. Yeah. God, I what I remember about that is, um, I've been thinking about this recently. There are so many stories and myths that make so much more sense if you think about physically where they were. Yeah. And that context gets lost so easily. Like, it gets lost if the people have to move for any reason, environmental, colonization, you know, anything. <laughs> it could be anything, but it's usually colonization. And then, you know, oh, you write down their stories, but, like, if the story is like, oh, there's this mountain that this star is connected to, that's probably because where they live, that's where the star rises out of every day. Yeah. But if you move even, like, three miles in any direction, that stops being true. So it's like, why is the, why do they have this mountain connected to this star or whatever? Why, why do they talk about, like this crater lake that was formed by this thing that fell in love with a star and fell probably because they had a crater lake nearby. <laughs> I don't know. Um, yeah. And the thing with Athens, it's like, I, I learned this trick when I was doing the the, the Orion myth uh, and more broadly the Zodiac myths. But the thing with the Zodiac is like, they're probably the most basic of the constellations and myths formats. You know, it's like, okay, the sun moves through them or rather the sun would move through them if you could see the sun in a you know what, that's not important. The point is, like, those are not the interesting star myths, you know? Those are the ones where it's like, okay, that one's shaped like a lion, kind of. That one's shaped like a scorpion, definitely. It's a lion and a scorpion. Whatever. Uh, sometimes it's like they all rise out of this one mountain, but usually not. But then you get the things like um, the the Orion myth and uh, the stories in... Uh, oh, God, what was it? Uh, yeah, no, that's still in the Orion myth about uh, the, the person guiding him to like Hephaestus's forge and it's like wait a minute wasn't there a volcano due west of here hold on <laughs> going on google maps getting down you know yeah. looking around like yes there is a mountain there oh my goodness and then like there are star apps that let you put yourself at that location and just go through the like the hours and the days and you're like yeah that is orion rising out of this volcano oh my god but you don't keep that if you just write the story down as is mm -hmm. So there's that, and then I'm looking at something like this, where it's like the founding myth of Athens. This is so grounded in the location of Athens. Well, what do I know about the location of Athens, and who do I know <laughs> who knows about the location of Athens? Who's been there pretty much like all but three years of his life every year since the age one. <laughs> right. So then it's like, uh, you know, let's talk about 
where this place used to be. It's like, okay, when they say uh, Poseidon made a spring, was there actually a spring there? It's like, well, there's some debate over that, possibly. There's this well, it might have been that. There was some interesting discussion about that on the Discord, and then it's like, well, okay, what about flooding the plains? Were the plains flooded? Well, from a certain point of view, there were rivers there. <laughs> from a certain point of view. <laughs> like, that's a lot of rivers. That's more rivers than the average city has access it, to. It was, uh, at the time when Athens did have three rivers, it was the only city to be built on three rivers in all of Europe. Right, so that would definitely be something noteworthy. Uh, so, you know, it's that kind of thing. Like, recontextualizing the story tells you so much about why it is the way it is. And I, I feel like it's... That's possibly the most interesting part of the research process for me. Because it's like, okay, I know the story. I know the story in isolation, because that's usually how it gets written down. It gets taken from the culture and location it's from, put in a book, shipped all over the world. You read it, and you're like, neat story, fun characters. But, like, what's the context? Yeah. Where was it when you found it? You know, this is like, you take the pottery shards... You reassemble them into a vase. You put it in a museum somewhere in Britain. It's like, okay, what, where, where hey, was this? Hey, or France. <laughs> or France. It's like, what's the context? Where was this? What did it mean? How was it used? And, you know, that there's whole fields about that. So, you know, this is one of the more easy myths to do that with. Because, like, where was this? Athens. What was it about? Athens. Who wrote it? Athenians. Okay, cool. Done yeah. so. I get yeah. it. Uh, and then you just look up, like, all the literature about this and these people for centuries being like, unlike those barbarians, we Athenians are autochthonous. We we rose from the earth way back in the day. I mean, you wouldn't know them. <laughs> the, the British accent she's doing is a choice, by the way, yeah, audience. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> hey, listen. If, if England didn't want to give their voices and accents to every authority figure in fiction <laughs> they should have stopped making those bbc specials yeah oh god anyway man i'm gonna have to give the discord a warning about this before it goes up <laughs> everyone every day before the podcast i'm like hey guys new podcast coming out you know nothing crazy and then sometimes like the episode where i had daniel green it's like okay guys buckle up <laughs> there's some sex jokes <laughs> like lots of sex jokes but no no i mean it's it no, it's it, it is interesting because it's it's kind of neat to see like the, these two videos weirdly pair very well together because on mm. the one hand you have like a culture very assertively like rewriting its origins to make it as absolutely glorious as possible yeah. and then you see you know like a culture at, at the at the height and the apex of their power and glory and everything and it's like you can see the through line like you see what they were emulating it mm -hmm. makes sense like i wouldn't be surprised if there's some english autochthony myth somewhere it's like uh <laughs> in my experience almost every culture's original story is like humans were made from the earth or grown from a tree or or just showed up but sometimes it's that they traveled i i don't know many details but i know that there is an australian aboriginal uh creation story that involves somebody traveling from very far away and planting seeds that's uh, cool yeah yeah that's pretty cool yeah um but uh yeah yeah the the concept of autochthonous pride initially i was like wow that's so weird and i was like no wait that's wait just ethno-nationalism <laughs> wait a minute like you rip off the yeah, disguise exactly. ethno-nationalism it's been you the whole time underneath the mask and i would have gotten away with it too if it wasn't for your critical thinking skills hey. <laughs> yeah Goodness. yeah so that was uh that was a fun video a fun pair of videos yeah very much on brand yeah uh, um, i had a lot more britain stuff that i that i obviously would have been able to put in if i was uh, making this video longer, but I, I, I gave myself a very strict limit, which I did not go over, so I've got a little more Britain coming up uh, uh, this week. Um, but uh, it's a city minute, so that'll be fun. Yeah. Um, and then we've got more, uh, more, more cool stuff 
uh, coming uh, later on. Yes. Um, but if that's uh, if that's it, we should probably mention that we've got uh, some new pins in the store uh, yeah. right now. Um, we've got uh, from the myth. We have Poseidon and. Uh, Athena, uh, hot word on the street uh, among the fan communities that these are some of the coolest pins we've done. Yeah. Uh, especially the 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 combination of the water effects on Poseidon and the little Gorgon on Athena's shield, mm -hmm. just A plus design work. I Thank am you. astounded that the the enamel designs hold up with Honestly. that level of detail. It's crazy. Yeah, like we we actually have a physical copy. I've seen them now, and like the the fine detail work is just so crisply translated. Yeah. Like the parts where my line art's a little shaky even shows up on the pin. <laughs> um, <laughs> But yeah, you have I, to really zoom. You got to put another microscope yeah. for that. Yeah, <laughs> I, I remember when I was uh, when I was initially designing them. I was I think it was like it was very late and I was kind of tired and I was I'd drawn the Athena one and I was drawing the Poseidon one and I was like, wait a minute, I think I can add water effects on here. Twenty minutes later, <laughs> I was like, so this is what this one looks like, and now I have to go back and make the Athena one look cooler because it's so boring in comparison. <laughs> yeah. But uh, yeah, these ones really worked out. No, well. they, they they turned out great. Uh, and uh, I think they're shipping fast, right? They're shipping faster. So now that we have done this pin dealio enough that we can take a guess of how many of them we'll be able to to go through. At the beginning, we're like. Who knows how the hell many pins people want to buy? <laughs> yeah. Five? Five million? <laughs> it could just as easily be either. It could uh, be anything. Yeah. Um, but uh, um, the Zeus and uh, Hera pins are shipping now. A lot of people have already gotten them. Yep. Again, the problem was that we had, uh, there was a production error and, and the coloration on one of them was was, was wrong. So we had to get uh, a new batch, which unfortunately added to the time. But now all of our pins are pre-produced beforehand. So you know, you get them and they're going to ship out almost immediately. So for, yep. for Athena and Poseidon and all the other ones, they're going to be able to ship out a lot faster than what we've had to deal with in the past, which also, in case any other, you know, hotshot decides to get stuck in the Suez Canal, <laughs> won't be a problem. So uh, if you're interested, uh, you can get them. They'll be available again at the end of this year. All 2021 pins will be available on Black Friday of this year. Uh, and then in future years, it'll, it'll be a similar dealio. Yep. Um, so... Uh, if that's that, uh, Red, I think we can jump into the Q&A portion of the podcast. Yeah, let's do it. Let's go. Woo! Hello and welcome to the Q&A portion of the Overly Sarcastic Podcast, where we answer your questions from Ask OS Pod on Discord. Now, I have been getting a lot of feedback from you, our loyal listeners, about what bits we want to hear brought up more, brought up less, and it seems that the lightning round was uh, pretty universally popular, so we're going to be bringing that bit up more and more frequently every five episodes instead of every ten, which means that this, the 25th official episode of the Overly Sarcastic Ooh. Podcast, is going to open up with a lightning round. Uh, for those of you who are not clear on what the lightning round is, we're going to be going through the seemingly endless list of media properties that you fans have asked if uh, we are familiar with and just saying if we've seen it, read it, listened to it, etc. Uh, and if we liked it or not. Um, if I was to read every one of these questions out individually, it would take us hundreds of hours of podcasting. So this is our way of, uh, yeah. you know, answering the question while um, still producing a feasible show for me to edit by <laughs> <laughs> its release date. Halfway practical. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. So uh, without further ado, let's jump into some of these properties here, uh, starting out strong with the Mortal Engines books. The books? No, but I did watch the movie. None of it. <laughs> the nice. movie was fun. It was very not good. <laughs> it, it was uh, like, the one thing about it is that everyone in it was really, really pretty. Okay, we're good. <laughs> <laughs> the New Legends of Monkey. 
Oh. No. Yes. And uh, I had opinions about it, but I didn't want to share them because they were rude. <laughs> um, we'll get into it later. Yeah. Uh, Artemis Fowl. Yes. No. Read a lot of the books when I was younger. Not mm-hmm. in order, though. Mm-hmm. I think I started with the, the one where they time travel, so that was confusing. I, whenever I think of that, I know, like, Artemis is, like, the, like the character, but, like, I think of, like, Artemis, but as the goose from Goose Game, because, like, Fowl. That's, like, I knowing nothing about these books, that's what my brain produces personality just a wise, goose with a bow <laughs> oh i see personality wise he's not dissimilar from the goose <laughs> truly uh alcatraz versus the evil librarians uh no what i have no idea what that oh. is cool <laughs> <laughs> they could be making this up early now valheim valheim Oh, <laughs> our, one of our buddies really wants us to play valheim yeah he's been trying very hard to get us it's i don't have anything that can run it that's all I do, yeah. but what? I'm just a bad friend. Oh. <laughs> Hitchhiker's Guide to the Galaxy. Oh, obviously. Cyan's mm-hmm. got the whole uh, the whole book uh, on the shelf here somewhere. She's read it. I I saw the the movie, but I don't think that. My counts. parents read it to me when I was little. Yeah. I haven't read it since, but I remember it fondly. Mm. The Xenoblade Chronicles. Uh, no, that kid's in Smash Bros. Right. Yes. No idea. He's the blonde one with the really dumb sword. There's a cross promotion with Breath of the Wild, so every time I watch a speed run, it always is like Xenoblade Chronicles Two pops up on the screen. Leave me alone. Yeah. <laughs> uh, Bear McCreary. Uh, no. Bear McCreary. He's the composer of God of War. Huh. Yeah, that's that's not a media property. That's a composer. I mean, I guess by extension, I've probably dealt with his stuff. I mean, his work is good. I'm looking forward to whatever the hell he does for God of War Ragnarok. But like, that's not that's not a media property, guys. <laughs> I mean, technically, it is media. Well, but that's like classifying content creator as yeah. like any kind yeah. of artist. Yeah, uh, the Persona series, the video. Oh, assume video games. I don't have that kind of time. <laughs> I've seen people play it. Uh, Persona. Well, I've seen people play Persona Five, which does look pretty fun, and I like the music. Hmm. Infinity Train. Yes, yes. I haven't watched the most recent season, but uh, yes, it's quite fun uh, and crushing in several ways. So, no, I recommend it. It's good, <laughs> but yeah. Ducktales 2017. Yes, everybody should watch it. I have not. Scrooge, uh, Scrooge McDuck is David Tennant doing his natural Scottish accent. What more do you people want? <laughs> Uh, the portal, and it's games. got a himbo in it. I know how much you people like himbos. Yes, Launchpad McQuack is pretty close to the platonic ideal. Yeah, we did put him pretty high on the himbo tier list, if I recall. As deserved. <laughs> he might have been S tier. I can't really. I don't really remember. The list I think that he well. had to be S tier. <laughs> what would be better than him? Truly, right. uh, the portal games. Oh yeah, yeah, of course. Yeah, yeah, that, I, yeah. I was in high school once. <laughs> Hardcore history. No. Uh, new. That's a podcast, right? I think so. Yeah, I think it's a podcast. Or like a channel, maybe. Yeah. I don't know. I don't I don't know. know. Sorry. <laughs> I don't actually watch a lot of other historical content on YouTube. Yeah, it's a little too close to it. There, there are a few mm-hmm. that I like, and then there's a lot that I'm just like, eh. Meh. Eh. I don't know. I think it's just like, it's too close to home sometimes. You yeah. Know? It's like, this is what I already do, you know? And then sometimes mm-hmm. I watch other historical YouTube content and then just get mad, because sometimes <laughs> it's pretty bad. Like, granted, I'm not without sin, but, like, shit, guys, come on. There's some real there's some real goofs in there. I also, you know, you run into the problem of, like, anything that's kind of your area of expertise. If you're seeing somebody talk about it and they're getting anything wrong, you're like, yeah. I don't want to be that guy, but, ooh, I can't stop being that guy. Yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. I... <laughs> Never mind. No, no, no. <laughs> Let's not name any names. Stormlight Archive. Oh, wait. Uh, that's the Brandon Sanderson books. Yes? 
Yeah. Yes. I have read some of several of those books. I, They are very good. I just, my attention span cannot quite handle them. It's like either I'm reading them nonstop or I'm putting them down for months and never picking them back up. That's on me. Yeah, not not for me. I Epic fantasy, like, oh, God, it's just, it's such a commitment. Oh, my God, no, never, <laughs> yeah. never. Especially the, well, because he just keeps writing more books. It's like turning into a multiverse. I, wow. How is it working? How does that man have that kind of time? It's incredible. <laughs> There's a lovely Daniel Green sketch that describes uh, mm. Brando Sando's writing process, which is that he's just always typing something. If you take away his laptop, <laughs> he'll pull out his phone and keep yeah. writing. <laughs> yeah, Branderson has a power that mortals cannot access. Yeah. Incredible. And then one last one here, uh, My Hero Academia. Oh, yeah, yeah. Uh, not recently, but like I, I watched it pretty consistently when it started and I've been sort of keeping up with the manga. It's like winding down and when media I like winds down, I usually wait for it to be over so I can do a full like retrospective now that I've seen all the plot threads resolved. So I'm kind of mm. on hiatus right now with that. And you haven't no, at all. No, I haven't, yeah. yeah. I was explaining why some of the writing was cool <laughs> and you were like, that does sound neat, which is a very polite way of like, eh, I, I consume very little media yeah. is the through line of lightning rounds. Oh, yeah. <laughs> yes. Yeah, plus ultra and all that. But uh, we'll wrap nope. up the uh, <laughs> lightning round there uh, and jump into our regular Q&A portion. The lightning round will return in five episodes on episode 30. And I uh, hope continue sending in your various media properties and we will continue to work our way through the incredibly long word document of properties that I have created uh, <laughs> to sum them all up. We're not even like a third of the way through what's already been submitted for context. I feel like Perfect. I should put that oh, God. There. There's so much. This first question comes from one of our lovely patrons. If you'd like to support the podcast, support the channel, consider becoming a patron and you have the opportunity for your question to be read first in the Q&A portion of the podcast. This comes from Thalassa. To both, what do you do during a big storm? Snuggle up in blankets and read, watch a movie, etc. I figure we just had a big uh, big storm hit all of us. So what do you guys like to do ideally in um, the middle of, say, a hurricane? No, you run across town with 16 of your best friends, go to a hotel, dry off, and play Among Us. I mean, real talk, I take walks because nobody else is out. <laughs> that is a winning strategy. Yeah. I, no, usually, uh, in the absence of, uh, of a wedding shower, um, I would typically uh, stay inside, uh, yeah, get some blankets, uh, and then uh, play, some, play some video games, uh, or sometimes read, depending on if I have a thing that I'm trying to work my way through or not. Yeah. Uh, yeah, I will go outside as soon as the clouds start looking ominous, and then mm. I will wait for the rain. It's just, I don't know, man. I don't mind getting wet, and I really like it, so whatever. Uh, I, I remember, actually, when I was in college, I, I had a situation where I was having dinner with several friends, and, like, something about it, like, I, I was getting a headache, and I just wasn't feeling it, and I was like, I'm sorry, I have to go, and I just left and walked through the pouring thunderstorm outside for, like, an hour and a half and felt reborn, so sometimes... Red dares God to strike her down. I mean, I wish, but... Lightning <laughs> no, light. it was really nice. I mean, you know, if your shoes are waterproof, it's not really a problem, so... Yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah. yeah get a hood. Yeah. Maybe. Nah. <laughs> I try my very best to not get caught on the subway when it storms, although <laughs> mixed luck on that recently. But uh, I, I think Henri! I do. <laughs> Henri, it's always the French, damn it. Uh, but no, um, 
I, I, I'm a big watch a mediocre 90s movie and drink some tea since I'd get all yeah. cozy. The 90s yeah, Mortal Kombat, excellent selection for a thunderstorm. Oh, such a good movie. So I watched it last week. Well, it holds up so well. I mean, it's not good, but fun it's movie. so fun. Yeah. 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 At least it plays the Mortal Kombat theme on like the new one. So, it's, oh, don't Cowards. even get me started on that. We could talk. Oh, I have so many thoughts and feelings. Uh, but no, you know, bad movies in a thunderstorm is just chef's kiss. Perfect. Yeah. Uh, this next question comes from Lost... Oh, God. Lost Einherjar. Uh, Einherjar. Lost Einherjar. For Blue, in Ozpod episode 7, you talk about your video on oh. Ibn Haldun and how his autobiography allowed us to examine the biases in his historical work and see his perspective on the events unfolding around him. You also mentioned that this is a shame more of the historians didn't think to write about themselves to get that perspective. Have you considered writing an autobiography for future historians to that end? Um, so, uh, it is very polite of you to esteem me in such a regard that you think an autobiography of me would be of any use. Um, that said, uh, I, the, the general through line of, of the History Makers series is, if only we had, like, three more basic details about this person, we'd be able to understand what the work is coming from so much better. Mm. Uh, and I'm, the next video after this one is, is another History Makers, and I'm like, uh, ah, it's actually, it's a similar, uh, well, patrons will we'll figure out what's up. <laughs> um, but, uh, it, I did put out two philosophy books <laughs> that you can find via our website, Philosophical Fridays, Volume 1 and 2. Mm-hmm. I am obliged to disclaim the fact that they are not good. And that they are very much written from the perspective of a college sophomore uh, and a college just, like, senior slash just graduated yeah. uh, at various stages of thinking that he knew more than everybody else on the face of the earth. Well, I mean, uh. also, like, <laughs> ask again when he's 60. Like, what kind of an autobiography are you going to write at 25? <laughs> so I was born, and then... Uh, I did a lot of like... school, and then uh, there was this crazy plague you may have heard of, yeah. and uh, that's still happening. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so, I mean, like... You know, I think everyone wants to write an autobiography when they're, like, 16. (laughs) And they're like, yes, and then when Oprah interviews me, I'll be like, yeah, don't my bullies feel stupid. Like, come on. But, you know, you need to have actually, like, lived for a while. And, you know, we've had an exciting time of it, but 25 is not not young, you know? No, and, like, writing an autobiography at a young age is, like, you're in the kind of mental space where, like, asking out a pretty girl and them saying no is like three whole chapters yeah you know like that's that's not what we need in the historical sphere no Uh, that's the thing you know like when you've lived long enough individual things take up so much less of your life yeah like when when you're new to it it's like this is the first time i've ever been through anything like this my thoughts on it are profound and deep and then like you know even two years later you're like god i was an idiot what am i doing (laughs) exactly exactly so i mean let's be real so many people are writing autobiographies is one blog post at a time these days yeah so So it's there there comes a point where the there is a degree to which having a basic understanding of a character and where they come from is extraordinarily helpful and then details beyond that are not as useful because (laughs) then like you need to understand the character to understand why the work that they're doing exists. And like understanding basic details of Machiavelli's life makes the prince and discourses in Livy make so much more sense. Hmm. But understanding a lot more than we know, the marginal benefit is so much less. Yeah. So it's mm. like, yeah, but also like, eh, eh, eh. Yeah. Uh, there's one episode where I have the 
the the mysteriousness tier list of the history makers characters and i have a couple people who are on the list as you talk too much shut up <laughs> uh and then some characters who are like why don't we know any more about you? It's so infuriating. Tell us anything. Mm -hmm. um, there's a range. More isn't always better. Yeah. <laughs> yes, excellent. I'm just trying to imagine someone using like my Twitter feed to try and interpret <laughs> historical events, and God, that would be a nightmare. So uh, I'm definitely. so sorry that like people in like a hundred <laughs> years are gonna need to like cite bullshit on Twitter for their papers. Yeah. <laughs> It's like, you need yeah. more primary sources, go to Twitter. It's like, I don't want to go to Twitter. Everyone's mad. It's full of angry dead people. Yeah. <laughs> it's really been interesting. Oh, um, no. <laughs> my, like, senior year of college, uh, I took a class where we did write papers where a few of us had to cite social media references and like trying to find like MLA format for that was a nightmare because it's like well how what do you classify a tweet as like what type of source is that um I don't know if it I assume that there might be some updates to that format nowadays but uh according I'm to the encyclopedia know your meme D's nuts is a way to get the leg up on your opponent uh, in a rhetorical you joke, debate. <laughs> but I, I have a friend who wrote a, a paper about um memes and their effect on how the public interprets uh significant political events <laughs> so she's like i have no idea how to quote this like it's a yeah. cyan is giggling in the other room i just need that to be known yeah. yeah also i i just i feel like sorry going back to the actual like thing with the, the uh -huh. authors some authors you know we have so little and we have to infer so much and it's like look, this was a this was like a whole person but like from their writings all we can infer is like they had this opinion at one point in their life and they were thinking this and then, you know, I always got to counterbalance with the other side of things, which is, you know, H.P. Lovecraft. Yeah. It's like, I yeah. fucking wonder what his thoughts were on yeah. this. It's like, sometimes, sometimes you can see that, like, the art and the artist, while not separate, are very different beings, you know? Like, mm -hmm. what a person can create is not limited by their life. Mm -hmm. uh, uh, unless they're H.P. Lovecraft. <laughs> yeah. And, like, a classic example is, like, you know, with Dante, like, the Divine Comedy doesn't work if you don't have the background that Dante was exiled. Mm -hmm. That's, like, mm -hmm. the thing. But beyond that, there's not a lot of his personal life that would fill in the gaps in the Divine Comedy in a way right. that isn't just, like, ambient details of, like, life in the early 1300s. So. And, like, Ovid, the part where he was exiled. Yeah. Like, his, his grudge against authority colors everything he writes. Yeah. But other than that, it's like, I don't really need to know. It's pretty and much, then, the, yeah. <laughs> I mean, oh, God, I don't remember why I was thinking about this recently, but, like... I, the Little Prince, you know, that Petit mm. Prince? Uh, like, you were playing Sky. Yeah, I was playing Sky, and they're doing an event with that. Uh, but basically, that book is incredibly surreal. And then you look up the writer, and it's like, oh, this book was almost like a self-insert thing, because it was written by, like, a French pilot who had crashed in the Sahara for a while uh, before being rescued. And he was like, what if, in that time, I met a little alien boy who died? <laughs> and it's like, whoa! <laughs> and then he, like, he got shot down at some point. Uh, like, 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 actually, like, gone uh and it's like you look into that and you're like this makes the whole thing feel more surreal and sad than like if this guy had lived a long life and and mm. written more stuff about this but like that's not because that shows up in the story it's just because the story is so goddamn weird <laughs> and then everything else is so mysterious around it and it's like i don't know i don't know i've had yeah. a lot of thoughts on that book so long answer you flatter me but no <laughs> <laughs> Awesome. Well, this next question comes from Songbir Songbird Miner. To all, how much would you say you influence each other's content? For example, if you had never met but still started YouTube channels, are there any series that would never have started? Any popular videos that would never have been made? Well, I think I can partially answer this because I was making the channel before you had joined. Yeah, uh, yeah. And, you know, I was mostly doing 
classic summaries and stuff. Uh, I think it's possible that I would have done trope talk on my own, but I'm not 100% sure. I feel like you would have found your way to that eventually. It's such yeah. a good outlet for me. It's, yeah, it's, <laughs> it's, <laughs> I just talk people's ear off. It's a perfect format. It's perfect, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, but like, I don't know, you know, it would have been a lot more shallow, I think. it's mm. There's a depth that you get from having somebody to bounce these things off of uh, and just like talk to, perspective. Um, a lot less stress being able to sort of be like, Hey, this thing is really freaking me out. Can you take a look? Oh, yeah, yeah, sure. You know, yeah. Uh, just mm-hmm. everything is a lot more stable and balanced. I think. Yeah. Um, I I can't speak to like what it would have been like, you know, if you know Red and I had started independent channels or whatever, because that's it's a counterfactual. It's impossible. Right. But I do often tell people who like ask about like, oh, what's it like working with another partner on the channel? Having a channel set up where like the video producing side of things, Indigo, I'm not excluding you, mm-hmm. uh, <laughs> on the video producing side of things, where each person has their own independent production pipeline and like fundamentally does their own thing is great because we can work on our own things. We can do our own research. We work on our own times. We don't have to worry about like being like temporally in sync with each other because a lot of projects sync because one person is ready for something and waiting on the other. It's just a mess. So the fact that we were starting this in or doing this in different colleges where we could not possibly have worked together on a video concurrently. Mm -hmm. So we had to do our own thing. But we were still a team that could, like, lean on each other and ask for help and check stuff over and, like, get resources and, like, you know, do art and maps and stuff like that. It it worked out so perfectly that we are able to now continue living in entirely different places to work on this setup of of having two people doing this channel uh, where, you know, Red's videos get... Uh, orders of magnitude more videos, uh, more, more views than mine. But like me having done a minor in economics, have a decent handle on the management kind of side of things. Yeah, so like no. I can do the pin stuff and just make that work no problem. Yeah. Um, and and it works out really well. Uh, so there's a lot of things about the 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 two person nature of the channel that you know we can still have weekly uploads, but we ourselves only have to do bi-weekly. Yeah, bi-weekly. Yeah. It's huge. It's incredible. And I'll also say that just I I know that I personally would not be in anywhere near as good of a place mentally if I'd been dealing with this like internet stuff without the benefit of context or support like if I'd been dealing with all those bad comments early on without anyone else I probably would have spiraled I mean there was a period where I was like okay I'm probably gonna be going to college now and I've had like some Shakespeare videos and they've been getting some views that's weird that's crazy but you know I don't think I'll be able to keep this up like it was entirely possible that it would have just kind of slowed to a crawl and eventually stopped and I would have found another outlet or like you know it's I mean you know we can what if all day long uh get royalty checks from Marvel but you know (laughs) (laughs) ultimately speaking I can say for certainty that like I might have created some of the same content but I wouldn't have been able to keep it up to the point where I got to the point where I am now like just skill wise like I I certainly wouldn't be able to let the comic go as it is without you know like because the channel is doing pretty well so i can just put the comic up with no ads or anything and yeah. people can just look at it bless you cleo <laughs> oh my god cleo just walked in here and started sneezing thanks cleo <laughs> cleo's had a little bit of a kitty cold the past oh. day so we're gonna 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 make sure that she gets some good naps uh oh she just did a big yawn Aww. cleo go to sleep dude go to sleep for the record i am not used to things being able to sneak up on me <laughs> being around a cat has been a little unnerving <laughs> yeah but no i think i think it's fair to say that that osp is is unambiguously greater than the sum of its parts oh, because 100%. like you know the podcast on its own my videos on their own red's videos on their own the live streams on their own it's mm-hmm. like it's all fine 
individually, but together it like it it all reinforces each other really, really well. It's, so yeah. I, I don't know what it would have looked like uh, if it wasn't the way that it is, but it would have been worse. I agree. Yeah, <laughs> That's for yeah. sure. Unambiguously. And like the, the channel and just all the channel supporting things are just, it's such a stable structure. I mean, yeah. Like, you know, when everything locked down, we were like, oh no, uh, do we need to? No. Okay. We're good. Cool. <laughs> <laughs> just kept yeah. everything up all the way through. Yeah, and it's much. like, and that's incredible. I'm like, you've been juggling with so much other stuff this year. Yeah. It's been reasons. a lot with like the move and the wedding. There's been like a whole lot of stuff and it's like, oh, I, I actually have mechanisms, mechanisms whereby I can step back and take things a little bit easier if I need to. Yeah. And being mm -hmm. able to be flexible with content. So like the city minutes was, was an experiment and it didn't work. So I changed it. And now it works really, really, really well. Mm -hmm. So I, mm -hmm. now I suddenly have a, like five minute video format that works because I always tried to write like, you know, shorter videos and they just felt bad and incomplete. And now suddenly I have this thing, which is also great because it gives me more time because it doesn't take as much time so I can be flexible. So being flexible and working with the constraints that we have has been really great because, you know, the fact that we lived in different places was a constraint, mm -hmm. but we built around it and built something that was really solid in a way that I think works really well and even is better than, um, in, in, in my opinion, it's, it's a more robust channel framework than like the channels that are, you know, 17 person teams and it's a million moving parts because they, they make real fancy videos, but I cannot imagine how difficult that is to organize. Yeah. We make our own videos. Uh -huh. It's so great. It's so simple. Yeah. Sometimes people <laughs> ask like, would you want to delegate this part to somebody else? And it's like, no, no, I wouldn't. I would rather just like stay up late and well, late by my standards so early. <laughs> uh, and like, just, just go through and do it all because then I know it would be done. Yeah. Uh, and and I, I also just, I want to just, you know, restate for the record that I, I know that I get caught up in my own head very easily. I am confident that if I had kept the channel going on my own and you hadn't joined, uh, I would have at some point started to spiral and at least, at minimum, the upload schedule would be nowhere near as consistent and the content would almost certainly not be as good. So I just, I want to, you know... Yeah. You, you you have a very real contribution, and I value very much your friendship and support. <laughs> Thank you, Red. I appreciate course, that. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Through the power of friendship, all things are possible. Uh, but this That's, next question. Yeah. <laughs> my mental stability is with my friends. <laughs> <laughs> yes, excellent. Uh, this next question comes from a Calico 18 To all, if you have one, how do you load your dishwasher? And if not, how do you do the dishes, i.e., what do you do? What do you say for last? Um, this is how, not at all related to the previous question. How many ways are there question. to load a dishwasher? Uh, I put the plates on the bottom where the plates go, and the glasses go on top where the glasses go. Um, I, I just throw the spoons in the tray. <laughs> I just dump them along, sprinkle them in the middle. I mean, I... Make them work for it. I do the thing where, like, I, I hand wash them to the point where there's no food visible on them, and then I put them... I don't just, like, throw them in after eating on them, because mm. I feel like that's a little harder on the dishwasher, but, like... How many ways are there to load a dishwasher? Like discus style? I certainly don't do that. <laughs> you have to bank shot it off of the door of the oven. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Um, I live in New York City, so I don't have a dishwasher because uh, I'm yeah. not a rich man. But I, I, yeah. just, <laughs> I just sort of wash everything in whatever order I use it usually. Uncle Pennybags over here with a yeah. dishwasher and a oh. washing machine. <laughs> just yeah. double up like the rest of us. Freaking Scrooge McDuck over there. Yeah. <laughs> Incredible, yeah. Uh, this I don't know why I included that question. It's I guess I just wanted to complain about having to do dishes. Uh, but this <laughs> <laughs> this next question comes from Arc Ar Artur. 
zero, continuing the coffee prophecies from the latest podcast with Ma- Max Miller, which right. is no longer the latest podcast. But yeah, if you haven't listened to it, go check it out and check out Max Miller's uh, channel, Tasting History. Um, yes. The Witches of McNope have a coffee shop. What would the name of the coffee shop be? So uh, for those of the audience who haven't heard that episode, we had a question from a listener who wrote prophecies on um, their cold brew before it was served to customers. And we posited that, you know, witches owning a coffee shop and sending out um, prophecies is a very funny headcanon and would make for some real fun urban fantasies. So, so what would we name that uh, hypothetical witch-run coffee shop? Right, for the other 50% of the context, she's referring to Macbeth, but theater kids have a thing about saying Macbeth, mm-hmm. hence McNope. Yes. I, in, in History Makers, the Shakespeare episode, I referred to him as McBoy. Mm-hmm. Uh, yes. One of my favorite edits. Uh, yes. I re- also remember editing that episode and having to personally, I was like, oh, I'm going to censor every time that he says McNope in this video. So there's a few, like, there's a, I think... There's the a tragedy of ones. Darth Plagueis yes. the Wise instead yes. of the tragedy of Macbeth. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah, yeah. No, that's great. God. Uh, yeah, so what do we name the coffee shop? Mm. Well, I, let me see what I can Like, remember. the cauldron is, like, it, obvi- yeah. like it's low-hanging like, fruit. Like, cauldron, but... brew, uh, yeah. <laughs> I mean, well, uh, that, that's like a that's a pun, but it's barely a pun. Let's not do that. Mm. Uh, Double espresso toil and trouble. <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> well, that would be something on the menu. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. It's, yeah. This is tough. It's tough. Yeah. Mm. Yeah, I'm trying to remember what they were saying. You know, I, I never memorized this part, but... Uh, no, it was like the no... Was, well, they gave all the prophecies, so it's like, no man of woman born shall... Uh, whatever, Kill like, you'll bank. be the next king of Scotland, or, or whatever. Yeah, but Banquo's sons shall be kings hereafter. Yes. Um, I'm gonna honestly, look up I think it would be the pretty first rad to of, uh... just name a place like <laughs> Hereafter Cafe. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, no, that actually just, I feel like it could work That's as That's what a... I would do. If I yeah. were running a cafe, I'd do something minimalist, but kind of spooky. Yeah. Yeah. Like, the logo is, like, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. it's just, like, a dagger floating in the air. Oh, my God. <laughs> <laughs> is this a daiquiri I see before me? <laughs> no, that, that's they run the bar. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. At, well, at night, it turns into a cocktail bar, you know? Of course. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Um, um, dang it. I mean, I memorized the dagger speech, but not the witch's stuff. What I am I doing? Well, there's a fun uh, indigo fun fact. Just sprinkle one of those in there. I was one of the witches <laughs> in a, a one-act version of this play where uh we just did act one scene one and so i am actually i know one third of the witches speeches from this act i you know what i think on the philosophy tube shakespeare stream i was both mcduff and i subbed in for one of the witches at one point mm-hmm. nice. I, I think that was right because i remember doing the whole like hail king of cardor thing yes i remember doing that, but I, I, I would love a version of Macbeth where it's explicit that like mcduff is one of the witches. God. He's just like, he's Macbeth the prophecy to lure him into a false sense of security. Yeah, it's like, guess what, bitch? <laughs> Macduff was from his mother's womb untimely ripped. Have at thee, fuckwad. And also, <laughs> yeah, that would be so funny. Yeah. I really, I gotta say, like that movie version of Macbeth I used, so surreal, but also I kind of love it. Patrick Stewart as Macbeth is just brilliant. Yeah. Oh, Which is yeah. being creepy nurses? Hell yeah. Yeah. Oh, yeah. I mean, you know, on some level, I'm also like, why can't people just make normal Shakespeare productions? You know, it's yeah. always got to be something. There's always something. It's true. Uh, it's whatever. sort of like a sacred theater tradition at this point. Because I feel like it's one of those things where these plays have been done so many times throughout history in a more traditional way where it's like now the reaction is, 
oh my God, if I just do a normal Tempest, nobody's going to come see it. So we're going to set it in a McDonald's and call it a day. You know, God like, wait, damn was, it. wasn't there a, um, wasn't there a, a movie version of Macbeth a few years ago with Michael Fassbender, Mary yes. and Cotillard? Was that any good? I don't I did know. Not see that it. sounds rad though. Is it like they, they played it straight. That was the big thing. They just played it straight. I don't know if it was good because I remember seeing that it was coming out mm-hmm. and then I never saw that like it had actually released You know, in I think Tim actually, uh, Hello Future Me mentioned this on the last episode of movie struck because he we were talking yeah. about Blade Runner and he's like yeah there's a lot of um McNope references on this uh in this movie and one of them was like a shot for shot version of um I huh. think that movie I I might be misremembering though but Wild. Uh, hit up uh, hit up Tim for those uh Shakespeare movie yeah it's like um, how bad can it be it's big bad there's only so the many thing. ways to fuck it up <laughs> like we'll a, a lot of these movie versions are still so good just because like the plays are really fun so if you get anyone with like a yeah. slightly dramatic flair or a willingness to throw themselves into the role to play like your leading man in a in a Shakespearean tragedy like you're you're good you're golden there's like a uh, a version of Hamlet that won Best Picture, and it's like a very basic version of Hamlet, but it's still good because it, it's Hamlet, man. Like, yeah. yeah, everyone was I going remember, all out. There was the version of the Tempest that I used, where the only difference is that they gender bent Prospero, mm. and I thought that was kind of cool. Yeah. Um, oh yeah, who played Prospero? In that I one? wish I could remember. She was one of like the the you know the awesome ones. You mm. know, the, it could have been Judy Dench, but it wasn't Hold Judy on. Dench. It might have been Helen Mirren, but I also don't. Oh, know. Yeah, yeah. Let's just Queen look it Helen up. Mirren. <laughs> yeah, but honestly, I really like that movie because the thing is, like, there are so many magical characters in Shakespeare. Helen Mirren. Place. It was Helen Mirren. <laughs> yeah, yeah. yeah. Queen but, Helen man, Judy Dench would have killed it. Uh, yeah, yeah. Dame, dame both dames. Uh, but the thing is, like, there are so many magical characters, and it's like if you have the budget and the effects ability, you can do so much cool shit with it. Mm-hmm. Which is why it always annoys me. We're like, this is Oberon, king of the fairies. He's a guy in pants, and I'm like, <laughs> god damn it. You, you didn't even give him interesting long hair or horns. What are but you doing? But if he was then, just like, a guy, I thought you were about to say they didn't even give him pants, interesting pants. That's where I thought that sentence was going. <laughs> <laughs> but then it's like you've got Puck, you've got Ariel, you've got all these characters in these plays who are like magical beings of trickery, and, and Ariel is like a spirit. And then in that movie, they're like, we're gonna get one actor, and then we are gonna put the most CGI on this bitch. <laughs> we're gonna give him wings. We're gonna give him so many redesigns. I thought it was the coolest thing. And more Shakespeare plays. And Midsummer Night's Dream could be the tightest looking shit in the world. And yeah. people are just oh, like, good. we set it in this forest and everyone's riding bicycles for some reason. It's like, fuck you. <laughs> oh, I just was put some ivy leaves on too. somebody at least. Sorry, which? Sorry, I'm just reminiscing to my uh, like middle school theater career. I was in a lot of Shakespeare productions, but it's weird <laughs> stuff. Anyway, um, we got away from take. the- Shakespeare's a good playwright. Yeah. Like, I, I, every once in a while, we have to state this. Like, Some people think they're too cool for Shakespeare. No. We do not think that we are no, too cool for Shakespeare. Shakespeare rules. Yeah. Shakespeare. Like, s- the hard carry of the English language. <laughs> like, The only reason this gutter language is worth any poetic merit is Shakespeare. Yeah. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Yeah, um, we got away from the point of that question, which was the name of a coffee shop. So if we could just restate that for the record before we move on to our last question of the podcast. Hereafter. Yeah, I'm calling hereafter. it hereafter. Hereafter. Yeah. Perfect. Yeah. Yeah. Hereafter, uh, the Witches, Witches Brew Coffee Shop. Excellent. Uh, this last question, because we are coming up on time pretty rapidly, <laughs> comes from Maeve, Resident Cryptid. To all, each of you has a nemesis. What is their skill set, power set, and how does it dramatically parallel yours? Like real life or like our personas, because like Azul is established in canon already. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> My evil Spanish twin with a mustache. I feel like there's a lot of nemes possi- ne- nemes possibility, but like mm-hmm. the thing is, you know, a, a good nemesis can parallel you in all kinds of ways, and it's like, mm-hmm. are we talking like the kind of nemesis 
where you really actually hate them or like the kind of nemesis where there's some like tension and like maybe you're gonna kiss <laughs> next time you fight I you mean, gotta like, go for the the second option i mean come on <laughs> that's what i was thinking so that means needs to be a really solid sword fighter and mm. other than that i could mm. not care less <laughs> uh i think that their name <laughs> well, should be i need to be... have a sword fight on a roof <laughs> i think their name should be the indifo because it's right there like handed <sighs> to you on a silver platter uh, other than that, I also have no thoughts. On <laughs> this is a skill yeah, I don't have that many thoughts. It's kind of like, like you know, I don't have a type. You know, it's, mm. when you meet the right person and you want to stab them on a rooftop in the rain, you know, you just feel it. Wait, guys, I thought we were talking about our rivals here. <laughs> Hold on. What else are we talking? Yeah, about? <laughs> is that not how this works? <laughs> yeah. Some of the rogues gallery is furiously taking notes. Yeah, I don't know. A lot of these nemeses are just kind of like, that's just a guy you don't like and wish yeah. to go away. No, no, a real nemesis needs to consume your every waking thought. Yeah. I guess it's yeah. like, what skill set do they have to particularly irritate you? Like, what what is something that you would be very difficult at combating or um, what is something that would just get under your skin in a way that is very unique to, like, your something you would want to oppose, you know? like what's Real talk, like? they just need to have a lot of money. What can I do against that? <laughs> it's the worst. If they own Super a dishwasher, annoying. it's on site. <laughs> Azul has unsourced ethno-nationalist hot takes about history, so I want to kill him. I want to wring his fucking neck. Oh, like that kind of actual nemesis. I like the idea of, like, Blue and Azul are actually actively in, like, life-threatening combat in the background, and then, like, Indigo and the Indifo and Red and her nemesis are just the front lines, just like, like, doing the most playground insults back and forth at each other, clearly not actually. Listen, I want a kind of dinamic... That the Dread Pirate Roberts yes. and Indigo Montoya had oh, in that one yeah. sword okay, fight. Okay. That's what I need from a nemesis. I need insults and compliments in equal measure. You guys are like, how to build a perfect, like, like princess <laughs> bride nemesis. And I'm like, my nemesis is basically just a Nazi. My nemesis is some people who are actually on Reddit. Yeah. <laughs> um, enemies to lovers, 200k, slow burn, you know? <laughs> what yeah, what yeah. tags are we putting on here? Like, the thing is, like, you, you know... Those guys, those aren't your nemeses. No. You just hate them and yeah. wish they would stop existing. Mm, yes. That's no fun. A nemesis is somebody you can drag out over several seasons, you know? Right. Anyway. Right. Yeah. Yeah. You know, you want We the, took you... that prompt in very different directions. Yeah. <laughs> An exercise for the reader. Mm-hmm. 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 Well, uh, that's, uh, you know, unless we have any more thoughts on nemeses, I think that's all the, the, the time we have for today. So, Red, are you equipped to take us out? Do you have any um, improv you'd like to throw out our outro this time around? Oh, I, I'm not equipped. I've just been staring mesmerized at this tiny mug full of even tinier swords on Blue's work desk. <laughs> it's right, actually, well, that, that is a... Wait, hold on, real quick. That mug is uh, <laughs> yeah. is is a gift from, from one of Cyan's sisters uh, oh. from Spain, which means it could have been from that <gasps> bastard Azul. Check it for bugs. They've been listening in this whole time. <laughs> Tiny swords at dawn. <laughs> okay, what was um, I talking about? Well, right, we were going to do the outro, but you know, um, Blue, you weren't here last episode and Red nailed it. And so in order to, to give her a break, oh, I actually, yeah. I'd like to put the onus on you to do the outro this time. All right. Oh. Yeah. All right. Okay, well, okay. thank you all so much for watching. If you want to check out more of the Overly Sarcastic Podcast, <laughs> there are plenty more episodes for you to find on all your favorite podcasting platforms of choice. We will be back in two weeks with another great, fun episode. But in the meantime, you can check out uh, Overly Sarcastic Productions on YouTube to see the videos that we put out on our typical day-to-day. And if you're interested in snagging those pins, uh, you can find a link to our crowd made shop in the show notes below, mm-hmm. as well as uh, a new mug that we designed, a fun little, mm-hmm. little Greek Olympian-style mug uh, yeah. to, to go up a long sale with that. Um, but until the next episode, 
I've been blue. I've been red. And this has been an overly sarcastic podcast. Well done. Well done, young Padawan. Thank you all. Thanks so much for listening to this week's episode of the Overly Sarcastic Podcast. We'll be back on September 15th, but if you miss us before then, be sure to check out Overly Sarcastic Productions on YouTube. Got a question for the show? Head over to Ask Pod on Discord for a chance for your question to be featured in a future episode. If you enjoyed the show, please rate us and leave a review on your preferred podcast platform. And if you really enjoyed it, consider becoming a patron. Links to all that and more are found in the show notes below.